Hello everybody and welcome to the Australian Seller Podcast. My name is Chris Thomas and I'll be your host and this is the show where we talk about all things Amazon and e-commerce, whether it be private label, wholesale, dropshipping and how you can generate a recurring income either on the side or as a full-time gig. G'day, g'day everybody. It's been a while between drinks. I hope you've been well. Uh, now in today's episode, please make welcome the effervescent Julia Christie. Now, Julia is a proud mum of three little ones and the inventor of an amazing product called the Nail Snail. Now, as you know, inventing products is a passion of mine. Just coming up with an idea is hard enough, but seeing it all the way through to commercial success is often a battle. Uh, For Julia, it was an idea which came to her after injuring her baby. Uh, She woke up in the middle of the night with a brainwave and after a lot of luck and serendipity, tenaciousness, um, she's created a global business with a team of four amazing women. So today we talk all things prototyping, networking, crowdfunding, local Australian and global retail distribution, e-commerce, Amazon, Amazon Live, and perhaps why a Chinese patent is probably the best kind of IP that you can have, particularly if you're manufacturing in China. It's such a great story and uh, I hope you really enjoy it. So please make welcome Julia Christie from Nailsnow. Seller Podcast, and today I am thrilled to welcome Julia Christie, who is the founder of the amazing product Nail Snail. Uh, Julia, welcome to the show. Thanks for joining us. Oh, I'm so excited to be here. I was trying to play it all cool and be like, "Hi, Chris, how are you?" But I'm too excited. I'm just, <laughs> <laughs> I'm so excited to be here with you. Uh, awesome. I'm, I think you might have mentioned this might have been your. This is your first podcast. I'm not my sure. My very first. It was one of the things that I had to tick off my list of 2020 to be on a podcast and so I'm so stoked that we've just squeezed it in right at the end. (laughs) We have, yeah. We're recording towards the end of November in 2020. Um, Now, I'm going to ask a standard question here, but could you give us a quick intro? Absolutely, yes. So, What were you doing before Nails Now? Well, (laughs) so many things. So before Nails Now, I was a substitute teacher, supply teacher, uh, in primary school and I was also a professional singer and yes having babies was also my third third job well having a baby was my third job talk to me about the singing because I used to be a muso as well oh Not really I sang much yeah. yeah no I used to sing um quite a bit actually I was uh with the UQ big band I did the occasional gig with the Brisbane big band um, I had a jazz duo um, called Black Tie Band. I had I used to sing with the Tropical Dran- Dance Orchestra. I had an originals band called The Figures and we used to rock out and I used to write um, music for that, which was just the best, oh, the best <laughs> feeling in the whole wide world to be on stage singing your own songs. Um, and I used to be cool, Chris, not anymore, but I used to be super cool. <laughs> <laughs> you and me both, seriously. <laughs> yep. <laughs> no, no, you're still very, very cool. All right, so let's get on to this, the nail snail. Um, let's chat about the entire journey from, I, I'd love to sort of go from beginning to today because there, is, sure. there isn't an end to this. We've, we're still going here. But um, what is it? What was the inspiration for it? Like, How did you come up with this idea? So the nail snail is a three-in-one baby nail trimmer. And it's unlike anything else on the market. So everything else is clippers, scissors, and a file. And the nail snail is so unique in the sense that it goes across the nail rather than cutting down onto it. Like when you have um, wrapping paper and you get the scissors and you do that really sick move where you just 
glide straight through it with that V shape, but you're not actually cutting, you're just gliding yeah. through. It's so satisfying. Isn't it? Oh, it's so the best satisfying when, when, when the scissors don't catch. That's yeah. just, yeah, love that. Awesome. So that <laughs> feeling, that like, yes, I've got this feeling, that's how you feel when you use a nail snail. It's just like, yes, I can do this. It's, it's um, giving back parents that confidence to easily and safely trim their little ones' nails, which as a parent, you can understand how terrifying and scary it can be. And when my son was born, so he's now seven and he's the original nail snail kid, my little guy Emmett, when he was born, I was faced with the task, as every other parent is, of cutting his nails. And I got a pair of, you know, the, the baby safe clippers, safe, I'm using the, you know, air quotes, parentheses for those. Um, and I ended up clipping the tip of his finger off. Yeah. Yeah. Right. It okay. was awful. And as a new mum, and I was in tears, and how could I have done this to my baby? And it was just awful. And my husband, who's actually a GP doctor and has done surgery, so officially the most qualified person to cut a baby's nails, got a pair of scissors and ended up clipping the other, cutting the other tip of Emmett's finger off. Oh um, my God. Okay. Yeah. Awful. So as new parents were crying, feeling awful. I'm asking friends and family, what do you do? How do you guys do this? And everyone's like, oh, it's a rite of passage. It's normal. It's, you know, you you get better at it, but it's just pretty standard. And I was like, no, that shouldn't be standard. We need something else for this. Um, And I've always been a bit of a lateral thinker and a problem solver. And I thought, right, what have I got that will go across? And I had a champagne bottle opener, I had a cuticle um, trimmer, I had a stitch on picker from my sewing kit, I had just a, a naked razor blade and I was like, what? Oh. <laughs> yeah, not a good idea, don't recommend that one. No. Um, and I just sort of thought I want it to go across rather than down. And then I woke up of all mornings on April Fool's Day, April 1st, and I got a piece of paper, I think it was about 5 o'clock in the morning, and I started doodling and drawing and I thought, okay, I want it to do this and I want it to have this shaped handle and I want it to be a bit shorter and, oh, why not throw a, a nail file on there because we need those as, oh, and that can be an under nail cleaner at the end. And I was drawing away and I went, oh, that kind of looks like a snail. Oh, <gasps> it's a nail snail. And I went, oh, there's something in that. I woke my husband up, babe, babe, look, 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 look. He's like, what? Oh, yeah, that's great. Okay, yeah, cool, cool. And I just thought from there, I thought I've got something in this. There's something here. There's bound to be other parents that need this. And um, mm. and the design itself hasn't changed much at all. That doodle that I drew is 99% the exact same design that you can buy on the shelves today. That's extraordinary. Um, have you framed that doodle? I have, <laughs> yes. It's laminated. <laughs> Fabulous. And it's in a frame on my, um, my home office downstairs. Marvellous. Yeah. All right, so... Yeah, look, that, that absolutely. If you've got a need, then, mm-hmm. yeah, uh, solving that problem. And I think a lot of people have a lot of problems with, I don't know, just general life things like yeah. you know, trimming nails or whatever. Yeah. But they don't make that leap to, well, is anybody else solving this problem? And if they haven't, you know, there's not that many people that actually go on to go, right, that's it, I'm going to solve this problem and make millions or something. But anyway... Prototyping though, so you've got yes. a sketch. How on earth do you go from sketch to something that resembles a final product? Well, yeah, that's there's a lot of steps between doodle and, and prototype loads. And the beautiful thing about having never done this before is that 
I had no idea how to do it. So any way that I wanted to do it, I could do it. Um, and that was really great. And Google is my best friend. So I ended up Googling, you know, how to make a prototype, how to develop a product, how to, but serendipity would have it. I was driving and I came, I was behind a bus and the ad on the back of the bus literally said, turn your idea into a product, call now. And I was like, what? Hello. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, I've never seen an ad like that ever in my life before or since, but to be behind a bus that had that ad on it was amazing. So here I am driving and trying to get my phone out and take a photo. I'm chasing down this bus and trying <laughs> to take a photo of this bus. And I got it and I rang through. And on the end of that phone was an amazing woman called Belinda Coker. And we set up a meeting just in a coffee shop and she was like, right, I can I can help you. Let's Let's get this started. And she became this wonderful stepping point and this wonderful starting block um, as to what my next 10 steps needed to be. And nice. Belinda, yeah, and I'm still in contact with Belinda and she's, um, not that she works with me at all now, but in that beginning phase, she was so valuable. Mm. And I think just having someone go, well, these are the things you need, need to do and these are the steps and these are the pitfalls you need to be aware of and you know, your options and have you considered this? And just to have someone hold your hand for those first steps was really, really valuable. Super valuable. In fact, mm. um, Belinda has also gone on to it. Well, she had invented two of her own products, hadn't she? Yeah, yeah. She's one amazing powerhouse of a woman. She um, had EnviroSax, which was one of the first reusable green bags um, and changed the face of sort of green bags as we know it. And she went on to do November Rain, which is a beautiful poncho. You think of all the ugly, thin plastic ponchos that you see at football games and whatnot. And she went, you know, we, we need something a bit more, you know, beautiful and high quality. And she's she was a real inspiration to me behind giving back as well, like always having a charity or a group that no matter what where you are in your business progression, that you make sure that you're socially responsible as well and you give back a certain percentage to those different charities that you believe in and I was like yeah that's absolutely really really important and as a small business you can do that you should be doing it as a big business mm. but as a small business you can decide and, and and who fits with you but yes November rain uh they're beautiful and really really high quality so yeah shout I out to I'd, Belinda yeah so I need to introduce Belinda to another good friend of mine Cindy Mitchell mm -hmm. um, yep. who I interviewed Last year, I believe I've actually forgotten the number of the episode, but uh, yeah, that they because they, uh, they're in a very similar space, so mm -hmm. yeah, I'm gonna have to, to do that too. So, one of the other things, though, is sort of you've got a prototype, so oh, yes, who, prototype, yep, you did, yeah, who helped you with that? <laughs> so, Belinda put, put me in the direction of a great industrial design group called Formzoo, mm -hmm. and they're based in Brisbane, mm -hmm. uh, and Jeff is the head honcho at Formzoo and I was working initially with Andrew and then very closely with Nick uh, and they are just awesome at taking your doodle and turning it into CAD. So um, CAD's uh, computer-assisted. Computer there yeah, you go. Well, yeah. And they're fantastic at, at making it a reality. Like what's it made from? What are the materials? How does it actually join together? Um, what's the size? what sort of colours are you looking at and really 
making it a legitimate product. And they, because I don't do things by half, they said, okay, you can go with this manufacturer or this manufacturer. And Belinda also had a manufacturer that she recommended. Um, and prototyping is expensive. So, mm. and they're made by hand. Um, and so my first prototype cost me $1,000, which for me was the first sort of gamble step I had to make and the first step in a everything's going to cost more than you think it will. <laughs> so much more. Yes, it does. Oh, so much more. So this $1,000 prototype, and I ha- actually had several made. So one with the manufacturing group that Formsu recommended and one with the group that Belinda recommended. And I'm so glad I had both done because the manufacturer that Belinda recommended were doing slightly different things. And so when the prototype arrived from them, um, it just wasn't finished properly. There were gaps and right. it wasn't well made. Um, but the one recommended by Formzu was seamless and no gaps and was beautifully made and balanced and worked perfectly. Right. And yeah, that's that's yeah. perfect. Yeah, because yeah. I, well, well, I, I prototyped too. I think it was back in 2012, 2013. And similar to you, that process took, well, it took a while, mm-hmm. but the from where to go from a CAD through to, um, in my case, it was a silicon cup um, yeah. of all things. That that ended up costing, I think it was about 17000 Australian dollars. So wow. it was a pretty big, there was a lot of risk involved <laughs> with that project, that's for sure. Yeah. But it did pay off in spades afterwards. But uh, Fantastic. Yeah, that's the thing. There yeah. is a bit and of risk here. Yeah. yeah. And you've got to get it right. You don't want to do it halfway. Like your prototype's almost the most important step in a way because it has to be perfect because that's then what I took to show uh, I went to a, a first um, trade show and mm-hmm. I wrote a, on the coattails of a friend of my parents actually because she was selling homewares and I went with my little prototype and all my beautiful naivety uh, hi I've got this thing and what do you think and would you buy some and and people were like you don't even have a product yet how on earth could we buy them from you when you don't have anything and I was like oh but I've got this and so it's <laughs> <laughs> really funny that's I was yeah, it was. It was. It was super cute. And because I was so excited about it, people were like, "Oh, well, uh, she's she's going to do something with it because she's just so she's just so pumped." <laughs> yeah. And I ended up um of all things, being that strange lady in the park that would I went I well, first of all, I tried it on my own children. Mm-hmm. Well, one child at the time. I've got three now, but I had one at the time. Uh, and it was so effective on him and I thought, okay, brilliant because you've got to test it on your own kids first. You can't test it on anyone else's kids first. Um, I also did things like put it in my mouth and chewed on it and ran over it with my car and, yeah, yep, yep, okay. just to see if it could Withstand. Mm. Yeah, so if a kid's – because children are children, they'll put these things in their mouths. Of course they will. Mm. Um, and other – now clippers are choking hazards. They're teeny tiny and they actually can get swallowed and they're very dangerous. Whereas a nail snail, I designed it to be of the length that it's not a choking hazard. That even if a child puts it in their mouth, it can be easily fished out. Uh, exactly, yes. Yeah, and that if you put it in your mouth and chew on it, you're not going to cut your tongue. And just um, things, things like that that other people hadn't necessarily thought of when it comes to clippers or scissors. But I wanted to make sure that as a baby product, it passed all those toy tests as well and so I showed it to 
friends and family and they were like, this is amazing, love it. And then I'd go to people in the park and say, can I cut your kids' nails with this prototype that I have? And, uh, okay, sure, strange lady, yep, sure. (laughs) (laughs) And I would. And I knew I was onto something when I had a parent say to me, I'd like to buy that, please. I went, well, no, this is my prototype. I can't sell it to you. No, 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 I I need to buy that from you. (laughs) No, I'll give you $200. I'm sorry, what? No, I... I can't, it's my prototype, I can't. All right, will you let me know as soon as you've got one because I'd like to buy one. Okay. So I was on to something. And it was interesting because I had family members that had never had a problem with cutting their kids' nails and they were like, look, we don't get it. We have no idea if this will even be successful. We don't think you should be investing all your money in this. You know, clippers are fine, don't bother. So I had both voices, those ones saying, I love this, this is incredible, and why are you wasting your time? Um, so that's, yes. that's interesting that you will have both voices and you need, to, you need to be able to answer to those negative voices. It's fine to, for people to say to me, I don't like it or I don't think it's going to work or it looks dangerous or something because then I can say, well, no, it's not dangerous because of ABC and here's how it works and, you know, and then I can answer those sorts of negative questions confidently and then they go oh oh yeah all right okay I see where you're coming from at least so I don't have a problem with negative feedback neither do I in fact Mm. it can help you along the way and it also feels a lot better when your idea actually comes off and you can almost say I told you but Mm -hmm. um but no look it's a big motivating factor (laughs) it it can be and there is there is a sort of a, a mindset too I think you need to take with you along the journey which is that you can see what's possible you know towards the end there sort of mm-hmm. needs to be I have these sort of weird milestones in my mind that you know wow if I do this and it's this you know and we get past this step then I don't know it's kind of hard to explain but mm-hmm. I have a big a big sort of end goal at the end of an inventive process which is pretty exciting and it's mm-hmm. great to really work hard to get there and when you do we get close to it it's um it's a really rewarding experience but at the same time not every invention or not every sort of idea that you have is going to make it. And yeah, exactly. I think you need to steel yourself a little bit as well that sometimes, um, you know, it's not going to be a success, so, you know, financial or, or change the world or whatever. But it's important to have that resilience to be able to bounce back and go, that's oh, okay, plenty yep. more ideas um, and, you know, something will, will hit gold. Yeah. And you have all those connections along the way. Like you, you know those mm. manufacturers and you know those IP people and you know the people that can help you with marketing and you've, you've got all those connections and learnt all those things along the way that the next idea, you've already done three quarters of the work. Haven't you just? Yeah, so and that makes it, it a lot easier. It does and that's, a, mm. that's another really important point is that I think a lot of people just look at the whole sort of, oh, God, you know, it's a, I've got this great idea but it's just too hard. Mm-hmm. But like anything, if you chunk it down, Yes. And just go. And it sounds like Belinda was really good. Gave you that ten-step plan. Right. Do this. Then you've got this. And it's almost like a flowchart of okay. Yep. I can see the progress that I need to take, and I'm going to knock each one of these off, <laughs> including probably trimming other people's babies' nails in the park. But yep. um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was fun. Yeah. Well, yeah. The, I had a bit of a. It was it really exciting with Formzoo because they were at this team of, um, team of young male engineers that didn't have a child between them and I said okay well you can try it on on my my kid and they're like 
no, we don't want to. That's scary. And I'm like, no, please, come on, please do it. And they were, and they, they actually, um, I remember the moment that Andrew did it on Emmett and he was like, wow, that was way easier than I thought it would be. I'm like, yes, if I can get a young 20 something male engineer who's never cut a child's nails in his life, use it without any sort of explanation and to be able to confidently use it and go, oh, that was easier than I thought. Yes, I'm onto something. Definitely. Now, you also validated the product as well through a crowdfunding campaign. I did, yes. Through that? Yeah, I had a Kickstarter campaign, which was easily the most stressful (laughs) moment of my life. Yes, it was, again, that beautiful naivety. Oh, this is going to be great. I'm going to put this thing on there and Kim Kardashian's going to come across it and it'll go viral and I'll be a bazillionaire. (laughs) Woohoo. That's what I thought was going to happen. I kept waiting for this moment of virility where it would happen and just explode. It never, ever went viral. But I I fought tooth and nail haha, for every step of the way, every sale. And I needed to get um, $10,000 was my goal. So that was the 3,000 units that I wanted to sell. Uh, and I wanted to do it in a way that it was a pre-order rather than, a, oh, please give me money because I'm I need to develop this. It was like, no, I've got the I've got the product, I've got the prototype, I've got the manufacturing, I've got the packaging, I've done all the things, I've got the website, I've, I've done everything. I just need genuine customers in order to buy. Yes. The really big lesson I learned from that is you cannot rely on friends and family. Your friends and family are not going to help you. And by that, by friends and family, I mean those extended, I expected, you know, my auntie to buy one and and I've got four uncles. I thought they'd all chip in a hundred bucks. And I thought that, you know, all my mates would, oh, here, Julie, yeah, oh, sure, I'll buy one. No, no, no. It, no. <laughs> it, they're all they're all happy for you, but they all kind of want a free one. And yep. it was really surprising that, I was like, oh, I don't have these friends and family. Behind. Uh, and and by, by that, I'm not including my parents in this. My parents were phenomenal with their support. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just kind of expected that. And then when that didn't come, it was like, oh, God, okay, I really need to. You need genuine customers who genuinely want your product and need your product. And now Kickstarter and crowdfunding tends to be for watches and board games and computer stuff and it tends to be a very young tech savvy group of customers not your late 20s early 30s new parents Mm. so it was a very yeah a very difficult target market but I got there and it was down to the last minute it really was and with kickstarter it's all or nothing you've got to hit your goal or you get zero dollars that's right Uh, and I know with um, Indiegogo, you can if you hit halfway, they still give you halfway, which is which is a bit different. But I kind of again beautiful naivety. I'm going to get this in five minutes. No, it took every day of social media of of grind and grind, yeah, just... knocking on daycare doors and can I put some a poster in your window and talking to every parent, handing out flyers and really, really, yeah, that was a hard slog. But I got there in the end just and I think I I then slept for two days or something because I've been so wired the whole time yeah it is it's a it's it was one of the most stressful things that I ever went through as well um but yeah also really rewarding when you do hit the target yes 
And um, yeah, just, but it also gives you enough capital to get started. Yeah, it was enough money to place my first order of 3,000 units, which sounds like peanuts now. <laughs> it sounds so tiny now. <laughs> but that's I, how it starts. Yeah. Yeah. And I remember at the time thinking, oh my gosh, now I've got to sell all these 3,000 units. And I did. And I did it very quickly, which was really, really great. And that moment when that box first arrived, I mm. burst into tears. I just, it, and it actually, oh, how's this for timing? My my first order of now snails arrived the day after the day before. Gosh, I can't even remember because I was in this fugue of delivering a child. Like I literally had a baby. <laughs> I a had day. a question about that. Yeah, yeah, yes. that was that was full on. That's just crazy. Far out. That was full babies on. Babies and business. I mean, you've got. Three, mm-hmm, I do. Oh, I guess babies and toddlers, right? So, yeah. Huh? So yeah, Emmett's seven, Alira's five, and Leandra's now three. That's extraordinary that you've been able to create this amazing business and bring up three amazing kids. And thank you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah it is. I mean, stuff. at the beginning, I was just, you know, I, I'd be, you know, breastfeeding one child and working on the computer on the other and trying to field, you know, jump up and ch- change a nappy, and then you come back and one hand on the laptop and. But I'm really fortunate now because I've got the kids in daycare and school and I've got a cleaner that comes uh, once a fortnight, which if, if you are a work-from-home business person, get yourself a professional cleaner because that makes a huge difference. That's, oh, let's, that's a huge recommendation on my part because I need to focus on my work and they're much better at cleaning than I am and I hate it with a passion and they do a brilliant job and I'm supporting another woman in business. So woohoo, everybody wins. Win-win, absolutely. Yeah. <clears throat> Excuse me. So, of course, the other thing here is just around how do you how did you protect the product? Have you actually got IP protection on the nails now? I do, I do. Now, this was really interesting because half of the people I spoke to said, You'd be crazy not to get a patent. Do it. Like I can't even believe you're questioning this. You need this more than anything else. And the other half of the people I spoke to were like, don't bother. It's not worth the paper it's written on. You'd have to go fight it and you don't have the time and money for that. Use that money for marketing instead. Yep, that was, the, that's me. Yeah, because it's very expensive and it takes a lot of time. And you're also opening yourself up to... Here is exactly how to make my product on in a patent, uh, you know, globally allowed to be accessed. Just Google it. You know, it's it's a really uh, a really tough one. But I went a bit differently because I got. Oh, can I share a stupid story with you? One of the dumbest things I've ever done. Yeah. Oh no, yeah, well, it's up to you. Again. Absolutely. There's there's so Probably. many dumb things I've done, but here's here's my dumbest one, and it was an unintentional mistake. So mm. I was on Facebook. And I was setting up my Facebook, now Snail Facebook account, and I populated some of the images in and I put up um, a 3D generated image of the now Snail, which is all I had at the moment, and I had like my logo and, and I was like, okay, um, I'll just put some things in there and I'll, I'll, I'll publish when I'm ready to go live. Turns out that had already been published without my knowledge. It, would, it went live without me realising. Now two people saw that, my dad and my friend Nina, <laughs> two people okay. in the world. So as soon as I realised that, I shut it down, turned everything off, like deactivate, de-whatever, all the things. Mm-hmm. And I thought, oh, surely that's not going to be a problem. Oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God. Turns out it was a big problem. 
because just that photo alone rendered the now 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 it's public knowledge that's right yeah and that became a real sticking point for a lot of my patenting that i had a short window of time for australia and america but for other countries they were like nope it's already public knowledge you've already published that image sorry you're not going to get a patent in these different countries and yeah. that was heartbreaking for me because at that time i was under the impression that i needed a patent in every country all over the world or you know this this wasn't going to happen that's not really true because if you were to patent a product and there's no such thing as a global patent you can't just get one for the whole no. world which again was misinformation that i had been told you have to apply for each and every individual country and that can range from $7,000 a country to $20,000 a country. So unless yep. you've got $200,000 just lying around ready for patents, you're not going to get those anyway. So That's right. Yeah. So I managed to get, I still was able to get my Australian patent, my American patent, and I did something really clever, which I'm actually really proud of after my stupid mm. fumble with the Facebook, was getting a Chinese patent. So that's, I have, yeah, that's yeah, yeah. I have a Chinese Favorite. patent um, for, issued by the Chinese government, upheld by the Chinese government, and they take patents very seriously. Even though there's a lot of counterfeit and copy products made in China, if you have a Chinese patent, they see you infringe. If another manufacturer, say, was to come, an American manufacturer, say, was to come to China and and make nail slugs or whatever. Mm. The Chinese government would see that as being a very serious breach of their Chinese patent and would stop them at the borders. They would not be allowed to leave China. That's right. Might might still be sold Mm. in China, but they won't be allowed to leave the borders. And I'm very, very happy with that particular patent. So, Yeah, mm. I would kind of tend to agree with you that that's probably the best place to get a patent in the world. Mm. Yes. Um, And... I mean, the only thing that I ever got was a trademark in China. I just didn't mm-hmm. quite have the funds or the wherewithal to get a patent. And um, yep. and then more recently, uh, yeah, actually a Chinese manufacturer has copied it. Copied <gasps> product. Oh, see, that's my worst nightmare. Yeah, and uh, there's nothing I can do to stop them. I, I guess the only um, good-ish thing, kind of good and bad, is that they actually sold the business and the products. So mm. it's kind of the... I guess a bit of an issue for the new owner. <laughs> it's their problem now. <laughs> but I did when before I sold the business, I was kind of, I did you know I was totally upfront and transparent about yeah, the fact good. that and that's product, important. That there was a copycat sitting on Amazon. Um, yeah, mm. that you know could could cause problems, but they were happy to continue. Um, yeah. Anyway, I know that that will happen one day. I I'm sort of mentally preparing myself for you know someone in eastern Russia making nail slugs or something. Yeah. And I just have to be aware of that. And again, with patenting, you have to fight it. Am I prepared to go to Russian court and fight for the next eight years, you know, fighting no. this Russian patent? No, I'm not. Sorry, uh, Russian infringement? I'm, I'm not. I'm really not. So, mm. <sighs> the, yeah. only, the only real option that you have, I think, as a small business owner, if you happen to have a, an existing patent, is there are a lot of lawyers around that will, for a fee, take on your case uh, mm-hmm. for a no win, no fee. So if what they do is actually take it on, they incur all the costs around, uh, you know, fighting on your behalf and their own behalf to get damages from a patent infringer and then you might end up with 10% of the award and they, they pocket the 90% um, 
um, yeah. that that can yep. work. Yeah, it's okay. probably the only well, that's way interesting. Yeah, yeah, as an option there. So I'm assuming then that you're making these in China. Is that right? Yes, that's correct. Yeah, at a, an ethically accredited uh, factory in Shenzhen. Perfect. Yeah, and that yeah. was really important to me too to make sure that everything was clean and above board, and all the staff were over eighteen and willing participants and very well looked after. And that's right. Yeah, happy yep. to be there. That Both was really important to me. Used to do exactly the same thing. I'd go to China and visit the factory, and uh, yeah, talk to Raymond, who was my supplier at the time, and now, now more recently, Linda. Uh, you know, to to make sure that everything is fine. And, and look, honestly, in China, things are fine. Like it's yeah. a very well managed and highly regulated uh, labor industry. There, there's certainly not um, any of the issues that you might experience. Say, um, you know, I don't want to pick out a country, but. <laughs> Uh, China's China's got it together when it comes to manufacturing. There's no doubt about it. So. Yeah, there's a reason they're the manufacturing capital of the world. There, there really is. They're doing such a good job, and I love my manufacturers. I love them so much. They are just. I have the most fantastic relationship with them, and I'm thrilled with how supportive and understanding and timely they have been. I don't have any horror stories with my manufacturer. I'm I'm absolutely thrilled. I mean, I have I have. Uh, acquaintances and friends that are also um, mum-based entrepreneurs uh, mm. doing baby products, and they've they've got some horror stories of product arriving, twenty thousand dollars worth of product, and it's just absolutely unusable and broken and revolting, and had to be you know buried, and then they had to pay for the the burial fee, and you just think, oh. so I'm yep. so I'm thrilled with my manufacturer. Fabulous. I'm assuming too, did you go worldwide straight away or did you just focus in on Australia to begin with when you were starting out after your Kickstarter project? What, was well, there a sort of a process there or you just went bang? Well, we went Australia first mm-hmm. only just because we're based in Australia. But mm-hmm. pre-COVID, we were shipping to everywhere in the world. So, And this is part of a little design tip here. I made sure that the now snail was two centimetres wide so that it could be posted as a letter rather than <laughs> oh, that is genius. rather than a package so that postage would be so australia wide it's three dollars postage for a letter uh, and we post them out in a padded envelope um, and then anywhere in the world was four dollars so we could service an international market and we had i mean we had now i wish i could remember the name sent to like an inuit um uh, town uh, town for one of a better word right right up northern northern canada like we're talking ice polar bears like delivered on a skidoo kind of thing and it just <laughs> that blew my mind that that you know a parent all the way up there in you know minus 40 degrees is like i need a now snail and went online to my website <laughs> and purchased themselves a now snail that blew my mind we also had a now snail get delivered to guam which mm-hmm. i had to google where is guam yep. it, is a tiny, tiny oh, island. island. It's yeah. an island. The size, like you had to zoom in and then zoom in and then zoom in to see it. <laughs> and again, a parent in Guam went, I need a nail trimmer, Google, and found found me. And that just, I was, I did a dance. I just thought that was incredible. So we were actively sending out um, nail snails all over the world. And it would be really cool because you'd see, you know, one would be purchased in Sweden and you'd send off that one to Sweden. And then four days later you'd have two from Sweden. And then you go, okay. And then the next day you'd have six from Sweden. And you're like, okay, so mum's bought it. She's thrilled. She's telling all her friends. 
Well, this, you know, Swedish mothers groups got together and are telling each other yep. about Hagrat the Nail Snailers. And you could actually see that happen. But then the COVID, you know, the, the, the wonder of COVID and how it's changed our lives hit and Australia Post went, no, we're not shipping international letters anymore. They have to be international parcels. And so our postage went from $4 a unit to $21 a unit. Oh, my God. Yeah. So I don't know about you, but I'm not prepared to spend $21 on postage for an item that only cost me $20. So that put the brakes on, screeched us to an absolute halt as far as international went Um, Mm. because my initial kind of plan, I guess, and again, I didn't really have a plan, so it was kind of an idea rather than a plan, was to just sell to the world from my website and as we established ourselves like once we got up and running in Australia we'd start marketing in New Zealand and then once New Zealand was happening oh we'd hit up England and then we'd start advertising and spending money on advertising in America and then we'd sort of hit up the English-speaking countries first and then because I speak Spanish oh we can hit up Mexico and we can hit up Spain and and let's let's try and sort of tailor our marketing a bit for these different countries. Fabulous. Yeah, which would have been great, but now that's stopped because mm. we can't ship it internationally. So we've had to kind of rethink about, well, distributors and getting international distributors and, and being able to sell in different countries, which I'm still kind of wrapping my head around. I still don't think I'm doing that as well as I could be. Um, and I've sort of wanted to clean clean out my distributors a little bit because... Some are going great guns and some are crickets. And I, you know, they bought their first order and I haven't heard anything from them since. And you don't see anything on social media and you don't see any sort of reordering and you don't have them emailing me asking any questions. And you just think, what's what's going on? Yeah, what's happening there? That's odd. So I've just kind of, with the end of this year, I've drawn up a new contract with different MOQs and you know, must have a Zoom meeting once a quarter and must order every quarter and must must tick these certain boxes in order to be yep. my distributor. Because at the moment I was like, yes, oh, I'll go in the Philippines and, oh, yes, Singapore sounds great and, oh, yeah, let's go in Hong Kong and, oh, amazing, let's do all the things. But mm. in reality you need to foster that relationship and have them because there's no point in having 13 countries that buy nothing from you. I'd rather have one country that's buying hundreds from me or thousands from me. Exactly. So, so do these, do you, what was my question going to be here? So is there, are there exclusivity agreements with a lot of these non-performing distributors? Or Yeah, there are. Um, there are at the moment. Tough. Yeah, and the only thing is they're only exclusive because I haven't had anyone else in that particular region come to me yet. I see, yeah. So... And I'm still, that's, that's my big thing for 2021 is cleaning out my international distributors. All of their contracts end December 31st anyway, and the new contract will come into play 1st of Jan. Right. Once they're, you know, if, if they choose to sign the new contract, because some of them probably won't, and that's fine. If they choose to sign that new contract, then I'll really start ramping up with you know, here's all the content that you can use. Here's all the the marketing collateral, marketing, and, yeah, and, all know, that web, sort of thing. I don't know, yeah. Videos and things like that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You also have a lot of retail partners though here in Australia yes, I too. Yeah, yeah. That's so what was exciting. the? I know it's quite extraordinary. Actually, you've got mm. a huge list of folks that distribute and and sell. Um, 
what was the process there in terms of actually acquiring them or did they come to you or did you go to them or how did that what that look well, like? Well, so yeah, that's that's a bit fun. So there's a first of all, it started with me knocking on the door. I'd literally walk into the chemist and say, Hi, I've got this thing, would you like to stop me? And they were like, Um, that's not how it works, Julia. <laughs> I have to talk to the head office, I think. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, you've got to go to head office and I'm like, No, I'm talking to you. And I actually got, it was really lovely because I got 30 stockists that way, knocking on their doors, doing my pitch and just servicing them myself. Um, And we got in our first year, we got 30 and I was really stoked with those 30. And it was great because that had a bit of a snowball. I could say, oh, well, I'm in this, you know, Campro down the road and I'm in this baby boutique in the next suburb over and I'm in this. And people were like, oh, okay, yeah, okay, sure. And we sort of one led to another. I was actually at the APP, which is an expo oh, back in the day when we could do expos. Oh, how I miss you, expos. Oh, so much. But, um, yes, with APP and I, again, beautiful naivety, set up a little stand right up the back, <laughs> up the back. <laughs> in the back corner. <laughs> There's no one else around. Um and I had my stand set up with my, you know, shelves made from Bunnings and my camping table with my tablecloth over the top that my mum had made. Um, and I'm standing there in my bright, pretty dress and I'm selling nail snails to pharmacy reps and, pharma- and chemists and pharmacists and pharmacists assists and they're walking out of the, the meeting and I'm selling nail snails directly to them. And people are looking at me like I'm crazy going, uh, nobody sells stuff. What are you doing selling? Um, and no one's going to buy, uh, you know, 10 to sell in their store. What are you doing? And I said, well, I've already sold 100 to different stores and I've already sold, you know, 50 to individual customers. So I'll just keep going as I am, thanks. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you, yeah. Off you go with your negative Nancy-ness. You can just run along because <laughs> I'm doing a great job. And luck but you know, as much as luck is being in the right place at the right time and working really, really hard, then luck has a tendency to find you um, more often than not. I was actually next to a group of chemist and pharmacy distributors, uh, KB Medical, and they were standing next to me going, who is this crazy woman who's actively selling nails now? It's like, what? What is, what is she doing? And they were like, she has sold so many. There's something going on here. And so they came to me and said, look, we want to be your Australian chemist and pharmacy distributors and I went okay that sounds amazing so teaming up with them within the first year we went from 30 stockers to 300 stockers wow and that was that was a happy dance day yep and um Kath, Kathy and Ingrid and their team have done the most amazing job at getting a product that no one's ever heard of nobody you know it's so weird what on earth does this thing do and they've already stocking you know clippers and scissors why on earth would they need this new product so it's a it's a education thing as well like you have to teach people how to use it and you have to educate parents on how to use it so it's quite a lot of work in the sense that you know you didn't just wake up one morning and know how to use scissors you had to be taught how to use scissors as a little kid for a really long time um so, yeah, we make sure on the packaging that we've got really clear diagrams and lots of tutorials and all that sort of thing so people know. But And then from that 300, we've gone to 800 and we're sitting at about 800 now. Yep. That, that's that's, that's we, amazing. We, yeah. Totally. 
Um, speaking of scissors, yeah, I mean, I guess the other great thing about the nail snail is that you can run with them. Yes, you can. Yes. And you yeah. can take them on the plane. Uh, you can? Wow. Yeah. And I've had people who are knitters and crocheters who can't take scissors on the plane take a nail snail on the plane to cut their thread. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and, and crochet on the plane. So there you go. <laughs> Fabulous. How is that? Um, of course, Amazon has kind of crept into your world a little bit in the last, yes. I guess, year or so. Um, things are still a little bit slow for you because I'm they are, yeah. been having a bit of fun help trying to help you with that. <laughs> yeah, and I appreciate your help. I, look, I just I cannot even fathom Amazon without someone else's help. I've tried and failed dismally trying to wrap my head around Amazon. I just yeah, it is, it's, a, it's a bit of a challenge at times. Mm. Um, we're, and we're in the we're kind of working through our strategy at the moment to try and give things a bit of a push on Amazon in the US in particular. Mm-hmm. Um, so hopefully by the end of this year, certainly as we move in towards Christmas, which isn't far yep. away, <laughs> thirty six um, days or something, isn't it? Ah. Uh, oh God! Don't tell me that. Yeah, Thirty one, I think. No, what is it? Here we go. <laughs> Sorry. Well, hopefully, we can we can get some other members of your team, like Serena and and some others, to uh, to really yeah help with the last yeah. bit of this and uh, yeah. get things get things really pumping along yeah. for, well, for the festive you, season. Yeah, well, because you've done such an amazing job of setting up the shop front. Now I feel like we can really start. Okay, what are we going to do with advertising, and how are we going to send everyone? to that shop front I think still some sort of okay well what are we doing and where are they and and whatnot but now that we've got that shop front I'm really excited to see what happens with the advertising and I've just got my um the EDMG grant EMDG the international marketing grant so I've got a bit of yeah which is really exciting so that's anyone can apply for that and you Mm -hmm. Whatever you spend on international marketing, you then have to put in a big claim for and the um, Australian government gives you up to 40% back. So it's a nice sort of cash injection. Excuse That's me. Huge. And then Yeah, which is really great. And then you can use that money and go, all right, great, this is what I've got for the next, you know, six months or something. So it's it makes a big difference. And especially having people like Serena who know their stuff inside out and backwards and working with Serena has been the biggest, biggest, biggest thing. So it was Serena with the SEO and um, web dev- well, making sure that the website's converting beautifully and, and you know, doing and all the testing too. advertising. Yeah. yeah she's been, really big on Facebook and Google ads and things like that. Yeah, she's all Which over Which in it. itself is, yeah, huge kind of. Massive. Yeah, it's massive. It's crazy. Pinterest and then pixels and this talking to that and that talking to this, which, again, <laughs> I my little head cannot get around that stuff. Retargeting. Yeah. Yes. Oh, That's- all that, all that fun stuff. Um, the other thing that we're kind of looking at as well is Amazon Live, which uh, is yeah. something that could be really good. You being the entertainer and all, I think, could do an amazing job with Amazon Live. Yes, um, I'm excited about that. I'm so excited to have to put that professional front on again rather than, oh, my gosh. <laughs> oh, no, I think, it, I think it's, it, it can, be done, can be done really fun and, you know, just in your own lounge room, really. Yep, yep. Anyway, so... Yeah, uh, look, I, I'm looking forward to uh, trying to get a guest on shortly. Um, we're just organising something at the moment to talk about Amazon Live in a lot more detail. Fantastic. So, uh, yeah, really ex- hoping to um, to really explore that a lot more. And I'll make sure I so listen that to that can, podcast. Yep. <laughs> we can work together a bit more effectively, hopefully. Um, Julia, we are almost at the end here. I just want to wrap things up. How, do, how can people oh. get in touch with you? 
So uh, we have our website, which is www.nail-snail.com. I've also got all my socials. Uh, Instagram is now Snail Baby. Facebook is now Snail Baby as well. Uh, feel free to email me at hello at nail-snail.com or send me a LinkedIn message. I'm Julia Christie on LinkedIn. Yeah, and I, I often um, people call me or text me, message me, email, whatever, asking for, um, oh, excuse me, half an hour of can I pick your brain for half an hour and I'll, I'll do that for free. You just give me a call, we'll chat for half an hour and then off you go. So I, I love doing that and helping, helping people do that. So if anyone wants to do that, send me a message, send me an email and we'll sort, sort it out, get it sorted. That is extraordinarily generous of you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, That's I all hope right. that, that hopefully one or two folks out there might uh, take you up on that. You've also been extraordinarily generous with your time. You've got three young kids and you run this extraordinarily big global business with lots of kids. <laughs> team members and yeah it's an extraordinary yeah, thing I've got so. the best staff oh gosh I've got the best staff I love my ladies yes if you ever if anybody out there listening needs to hire staff hire yourself a work from home mum because they are so incredibly productive they are dedicated they um are just brilliant at conflict resolution and if you can offer them flexibility in their hours you will get a very very productive and beneficial employee in your business I am I employ four and I absolutely adore them they are amazing so do that hire yourself some work from home moms or work from home parents just anyone that's that's um prepared to do that if you're if you're flexible then yes that can really really benefit you and I I see that happening a lot more too in this global world that we live in Mm -hmm. 24 hours and flexible work times and Certainly with COVID and people working from home a lot more. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, Julia, thank you so, so much for joining me today. And, thank you, um, Chris. It's been an absolute pleasure. <laughs> look forward to chatting to you very soon. It sounds wonderful. Thank you. Links and show notes for this episode can be found over at theaustralianseller.com forward slash podcast. Don't forget to subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher or your favorite podcast platform. Sign up to my email over at theaustralianseller.com and I'll send you a note each time I publish a new podcast episode. Thanks so much again for listening.